If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome back to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film series of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Everybody. How's it going? My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and there's nothing quite like a bad dream. Bad dreams suck, man. I haven't had one in a really long time. I need to knock on some wood because that's probably like the worst thing ever to say. I haven't had one in a very long time, though. I got to tell you. <laughs> then again, I haven't been sleeping in a very that's, long time. That's quite so. the point, my friend. <laughs> quite the point. Uh, wow. Long COVID insomnia. No yeah, joke. That, but that will that will do you in. That'll do it. No, no amount of NyQuil or melatonin or... Oh, I got some good stuff today. I was actually... You know, it was funny. I Just uh, before we recorded this podcast, I actually took a nap. Listeners yes. know that... Our whole family had the Rona um, over a month ago, and I sadly have lots of lingering issues from it. And um, went to my doctor today because my face has been hurting for the past few weeks. Like, it's been, never mind. It's, 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 I was going to say it's been killing yeah. me too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so uh, come to find out, I actually also have a serious serious not serious black ear infection. And for those of you listening of the younger variety. I've never had one. You know how a lot of people have them when they're kids or maybe like parents right now with who have young ones listening. They're like, oh, yeah, my kid gets one a year. I never had one. So I didn't know what it felt like. And it's moved on into the rest of my face. So my doctor was like, you need Madame Pomfrey. Not great, Bob. Yeah. So I actually had a good dream previous to recording. I took a nice little nap and I dreamed that I went to go see Madame Pomfrey. Really? And she poured a portion in my ear. Wow. I think because I knew after my nap, I'm podcasting about Harry Potter. And I just went to the pharmacy to go get all my medicine. It was awesome. That is aggressively nerdy. Yeah. Um, in case you don't know, I podcast about books for a living. So, Oh, man. But yeah, I haven't had a bad dream in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, our kids have one. I feel like they, I think they take turns. Like they're like, okay, it's your turn to have a bad dream today. I mean, we should probably stop having them listen to Harry Potter as they go to sleep. <laughs> Especially the Deathly Hallows. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you stick to like the happy chapters? And then when it gets to Christmas, stop. <laughs> if you get anywhere pat like into the spring, stop. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, though. They are quite learned. Because of these audio, these these audiobooks. By, by the way, hashtag not a sponsor. Um, they they are quite learned. I agree. Their 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 vocabulary is extensive, if you will. Mm, I love when our our little lad says, "He's my best mate." <laughs> or he, when he's trying to get our attention, he says, "Oi!" Like oh, that. That's his, and he doesn't know that that's not normal here in the states. Yeah, like that's not Oi, a thing. Sister, oi! So yeah. he says it with like the Boston accent. Oi. <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't make uh, me cross. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the uh, funny thing is every time he says oi, I don't think of Harry Potter. I think of Roy Kent. Nice. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. Oh, well, uh, here we are. Here we are, friends. So um, this chapter, of course, is 29. I hope it's 29. Good. Yes. The dream. <laughs> we're, getting I, to, we're getting to the end here. Mark. Look at me. I'm like, I can't balance this all. And I figured I would actually read the dream. Oh, so it's okay. a little bit longer sure, of a quote. But, you know, I it. just took a nap. So you guys get a little bit extra energy out of me. You're welcome. He was riding on the back of an eagle owl, soaring through the clear blue sky toward an old ivy-covered house set high on a hillside. Lower and lower they flew. Oh, maybe I shouldn't read. The wind blowing pleasantly in Harry's face until they reached a dark and broken window in the upper story of the house and entered. Now they were flying along a gloomy passageway to a room at the very end. Through the door they went into a dark room whose windows were boarded up. Harry had left the owl's back. He was watching now as it fluttered across the room into a chair with its back to him. There were two dark shapes on the floor beside the chair, both of them stirring. One was a huge snake. The other was a man, a short, balding man, a man with watery eyes and a pointed nose. He was wheezing and sobbing on the hearth rug. You are in luck, Wormtail, said a cold, high-pitched voice from the depths of the chair in which the owl had landed. You are very fortunate indeed. Your blunder has not ruined everything. He is dead. My lord, gasped the man the flower. My lord, I am, I am so pleased and so sorry. Nagini, said the cold voice, you are out of luck. I will not be feeding Wormtail to you after all. But never mind, never mind. There is still Harry Potter. The snake hissed. Harry could see its tongue fluttering. Now, Wormtail, said the cold voice, perhaps one more little reminder why I will not tolerate another blunder from you. My lord, no, I beg you. The tip of the wand emerged from the back of the chair, and it was pointing at Wormtail. Crucio, said the cold voice. Wormtail screamed, screamed as though every nerve in his body were on fire. The screaming filled Harry's ears as a scar on his forehead seared with pain. He was yelling, too. Voldemort would hear him. They would know he was there. That's an ag- that's an aggressively bad dream. <laughs> yeah, like you had an aggressively nerdy dream. That's yeah. an aggressively horrible dream. Harry was not laying down in the in the hospital wing, getting some Madame Pomfrey uh, tonics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my ear medicine oh man you know it's just there's so much built into this dream and i absolutely love it you know it's made me as we go through this read along because we are taking such beautiful time with each chapter sometimes longer than others but we you know we're able to really digest these things and i gotta tell you harry potter he's got some cool stuff i mean i don't want his brain but He's got some uh, divination accessibilities, which is pretty neat. And this is, of course, different. I wanted to read this because obviously it's the dream, but like from he- from from Order of the Phoenix on, Harry's connection is more through the eyes of Nagini or through Voldemort. Mm. And this, it's him. It's him on the back of an owl, and it's him being afraid they will see him as Harry. That he is afraid they will know Harry is there. So I just think it's a really neat um, thing that I almost see different as him having an intertwined connection with the Dark Lord. I even see it more along the lines of um, 
I don't know, more regular psychic abilities. I just see it very differently. Interesting. Very interesting. Thanks. All, All right. right. So um, before we go into the rest of this episode, we wanted to remind you that all of our podcasts are so graciously supported by members at jointhenerdclan.com. If you're a member and you're joining us for the live chat, do a little hashtag go nerd clan go. If you're not a member there, and we bring a little bit of Lumos to the knocks in your world, I would highly recommend you join. You could join for as little as $2 a month, and it truly makes a huge difference in Blake and my life. Right now, it's going towards medication because <laughs> we're pretty much a pharmacy in this house yeah, at this we, point. we are CVS. We are a pharmacy and pretty much Snape's potions uh, oh, lab. Yeah. Because we even have wormwood in our house. I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> Did not know that whatsoever. I was so excited. It's a growing plant outside. I don't have like dried yeah. wormwood. No, no, but still, regardless, it's yeah. a thing. It is a thing. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much. Join the nerdclan.com. Let's get into this show. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. Little recap, this chapter, of course, 29, The Dream, is in which Harry, Ron, and Hermione get to really go over all of the events that happened with Mr. Crouch. They're up in the owlry, owlry, say that five times fast, and they bump into the twins, the Weasley twins, who are discussing blackmail. Ron gets a little bit nervous about that. And then, of course, Moody talks with Harry a bit about Crouch. Um, Harry is getting ready for this mysterious third task, you know, like, what's going to happen in this maze? And then bad things happen. He has that dream and divination and he goes to talk to Dumbledore. I like how he knows straight up. Yeah. You know what? This is pretty bad. This one. Yeah. You know what? Not great, Bob. I got to go talk to Dumbledore. Yeah. (laughs) Because he just inherently knows. Yeah. I shouldn't be having dreams about snakes and people getting eaten and <laughs> saying that a snake wants to eat me like don't worry you can't eat that person but you can still eat harry potter <laughs> <laughs> no thanks i need an adult no thank <laughs> I'm you i'm only in the third grade <laughs> so let's go chronologically you know with what happens so we start things off um with with the trio talking about barty crouch senior and like, what do we think actually happened? Yeah. Um, how did he just randomly disappear? Um, how did that all go down? And the author still does this thing with Snape, where it's like she still gets the trio to call Snape into question. Love it. You have to always have that. And it's so funny because, like, as a as a writer, she's done so many great things to push you in the direction that it's not Snape, like Snape. She even has Hermione say, guys, chill out. Snape has never tried to kill you. Would you please stop? But she has to also fuel the other side. She has to bring the light and the dark to it because we do end up having this great Snape debate after books. Oh, no, and that's what I'm so saying. So you have to have these moments where it's like, but maybe. That's why I'm saying this because it's it's pretty remarkable how the author manages to weave this in mm-hmm. and not be in a place where it's like obviously not Snape, but still be at a place where you're like, eh, what it could be. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, what are we doing? Is, is, should we really be like, and I, 
it's an amazing tool that she uses to keep all of us on our on the edge of our seat. Mm-hmm. When we look back on it now, you can turn around and say, "Well, oh, well, obviously." Like, come on, man. Yeah, when you know the answer, it's when you pretty know the easy. answer. But when you're reading it and you don't know, and you're and you're just experiencing these characters and their motivations as it goes along, yeah. Mm. There, there is some questionable stuff here. Even in little instances like this, even after Hermione says, guys, chill, mm-hmm. you still can see like, yeah, I get it. I got it there. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So um, interesting, interesting bit of narrative play that the author does with us. Uh, and, and like that Hermione thing didn't happen any, more than like a few chapters ago. It wasn't all that long ago that she said, everybody chill out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I I love it. You know, and I think I think it's just so fun that this trio. I mean, once again, think back to being fourteen years old and all the kind of things that you're talking about with your friends at this day and time. Thank God nobody was trying to kill me at fourteen. Oh I would God. not have been able to just casually, you know, on a Saturday morning, like stroll on up and be like, okay, so this is happening and that's happening. I was too busy trying to figure out algebra and. At that point, uh, I thought I was living my best life because my boyfriend at the time was the best boyfriend ever. We would just dance all day to Britney Spears. <laughs> I didn't know. Maybe he didn't know, but we figured things out a couple of years later. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he, had, he had other. Uh, he, he had. Other, we were besties for the for the rest of a very long time. But you, let me you tell you, to his taste. No, no. <laughs> but we we had a lot of common interests, so it was all good. Um, so. Owlery time. We get the twins coming on up, doing the blackmail stuff. Unless you wanted to talk something more about No, here. I just, I like this um, this bit here. Even though it's a little bit expository, it's, um, it's like, uh, let's see. I've told you, he wasn't making much sense, said Harry. He said he wanted to warn Dumbledore about something. He definitely mentioned Bertha Jorkins, and he seemed to think she was dead. He kept saying stuff that was his fault. He mentioned his son. And that, well, that was his fault Duh. said Hermione testily he was out of his mind said Harry half the time he seemed to think his wife and son were still alive and he kept talking to Percy and work about giving him instructions and r- remind me what he said about you know who said Ron tentatively I've told you Harry said uh, repeated dully. he said he's getting stronger there was a pause then Ron said in a falsely confident voice but he's out of his mind like you said so half of it was probably just raving he was sanest when he was trying to talk about Voldemort, said Harry, ignoring Ron's wince. He was having real trouble sting- stringing the two words together, but that was when he seemed to know where he was and know what he wanted to do. He just kept saying he had to see Dumbledore. I just really like this back and forth because it's it really is all three of the characters living out their characteristics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hermione being very factual, very to the point. Well, it was his fault yeah. what he did to his son. And Ron being like very emotional and uh, which very characteristically unsure uh, of himself. And he's like, well, it's whatever, you know, it's just he's probably going crazy. And then Harry has to be the synthesis of both. Where he has to recognize that, yes, that B- body crouch senior was a little nuts, but there is truth to his sanity when mm-hmm. he was speaking mm-hmm. about Voldemort. Mm-hmm. There is a recognition of there, – there is validity to 
that subject. And I love how the author still gets gives us an opportunity to see the antithesis and the thesis between the three of them, and then how Harry serves as the synthesis for both. Look at you. Just love that. I love how those those the characteristics uh, shine yeah. through in yeah, little absolutely. moments here and there. I yes. agree. We get the the twins coming on up, and of course they're talking about blackmail. And uh, Ron, you know, starts to kind of talk about how nervous he is about to what lengths they are going to go to make money. And um, they even get after him being like, oh no, what are you going to do? Like following Percy's steps as a prefect, which is funny because actually Ron does become a prefect. And when he is, he's pretty proud of the fact. But at this point, the twins are putting him down and they're putting him down in front of Hermione. And, you know, they always just pick on Ron. I mean, Ron's the only younger (laughs) boy in the family, if you think about it. So, gosh, he just... You feel bad for him. I I love the interaction that Ron and the trio have with Fred and George. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, what are you doing here? Fred and Ron said at the same time, sending a letter, said Harry and George in unison. What, at this time, said Hermione and Fred? Like, they all had the same reactions to each other. Yeah. But there's a great bit of interplay here because it shows that they're all still kids they're all still like weary and they're trying to feel each other out, but mm-hmm. it's it's not that Fred and George are automatically going to say the same exact thing and do the same exact thing and have the same exact feelings at all times, because that's kind of how they've been portrayed a lot of the time, mm-hmm. uh, even in the film, especially in the films where it's like they say the same things and it's said in unison at like the exact moment. Um, like twins do kind of do some of that weird stuff, Blake. No, I or know. interesting stuff. No, I, if you're a twin. <laughs> no, I know that, but I'm saying like think of uh, in Half Blood Prince when Ron's like, "Hey, what are you gonna? What do you charge me for this?" And uh, they say ten galleons at well, the first. Yeah. At the first. In the movies, they have to kind of egg it up a little. Right. Bit. What I'm saying is, Fred and George have been portrayed in a sense that like they have this uh, similar qualities that repeat each other. Or mirror each other. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, there's a great little distinction. It's that um, Fred is the one who's saying we have to do this blackmail thing. And George is the one that is being a little little bit more cautious, being a little bit more apprehensive. And when you add the, hey, what are you doing here? Fred and Ron said at the same time, sending a letter, said Harry and George in unison. What? At this time, said Hermione and Fred. I love that this builds on that, mm-hmm. or at least the the blackmail part of it. It, it. it builds on each other, that there is a real difference between Fred and George. It's just that you have to look pretty closely to see it. But it's not, and it's not cavernous, but it's there. And this interaction is so well written yeah. and so well described that I, I just I had to call that out. No, it's all good. It's all good. I love it. Um, so we, of course, you know, get <laughs> get through this whole thing. And um, Moody then has a chat with Harry and Harry wants to make sure, you know, did you ever find Barty Crouch Sr.? You know, what exactly is going on? And he says, no, we didn't find anything to do with him. And Harry and Ron and Hermione once again go back over kind of the ground rules that come to Hogwarts. You can't disapparate. He couldn't just become invisible. So they're going through all of the 
logical things. And what I love about it is I don't think it's necessarily for them anymore. Like, I think that Harry and Ron know you can't disapparate. You can't disappear. They know how the um, Marauder's Map works. But once again, yeah. the author is able to remind us because, you know, we don't have the Marauder's Map in our hands this book. That was last book. So right. just in case people had waited a really long time. They needed to be reminded of these grounding things, you know? So I think that it's it's important and it's easy to be done through the guise of Hermione. Don't you remember, guys? You know, but when you're reading it differently, seeing that the author is kindly reminding the readers in case they didn't know the, the exact qualifications that it took to hide amongst Hogwarts, she's able to do it here. Um you know, and Moody then growls, we can't rule out kidnap. And I think that that's such an interesting thing that um, that they suggest, you know, because Ron's like, oh, maybe someone just took him on a broom and flew him away. And I love that Moody's like, yeah, you can't rule out kidnap. Right. <laughs> Whereas faux Moody has kidnapped real Moody. Exactly. So I just think that that's like a funny little thing. Um, and so Ron says, so do you reckon he's somewhere in Hogsmeade? Could be anywhere, said Moody, shaking his head. Only thing we know for sure is that he's not here. Except he is. Right. Barty Crouch Sr. is. Yeah. As a bone. (laughs) (laughs) And there's another great bit here, too, that Moody, faux Moody, has a need. And that need is to get Harry off of this Snape Barty Crouch senior like kick like mm-hmm. what like we we got to get away from that because it's leading too much and it's it's leaning too much into my own affairs and i need harry to stick to the triwizard tournament so that he can fulfill my purpose yes and Yes, you're right. Faux Moody entertains the idea that th- of what the trio is talking about, but you can see that he very subtly just says, Harry, focus on the work. Mm-hmm. Just pay attention to that. You need X, Y, and Z things. You need to do this. And um, I just – I like how the misdirection is used from Faux Moody to still get Harry, who – at this point, implicitly trusts trusts him to fulfill yes. his own desires and his own needs. We need to keep this in mind. I think you know, as we're as we're ending book four and going into book five, we like to joke that Goblet of Fire is emo Harry because he's very very moody. But I think that it's important to realize: is he moody or serious? <laughs> Both seriously moody. <laughs> but I think that it's really important for us to see how much. Harry trusts Moody. Yeah. So, and and just add that to the collective trauma that this that this boy is going to have in just a short time. You know, he's going to see his peer die. He's going to see his worst nightmare come true. The person who killed his parents. He's going to see, you know, the ghost of his parents. And the teacher, aside from Dumbledore, that he trusts the most turns out to be a fraud oh so when we look at book five we need to keep that into consideration that once again madame pomfrey does not have a therapist degree okay she can pour some potion in your ear if you've got an ear infection you need some skeligro but aside from that you know we're not having um the 
the ability to really help this boy go through all this trauma. And so I like to keep that in perspective just yeah. going forward when we read book five, instead of being like, Harry, stop whining, to be like, this is a a child or a teenager who still is processing things. So I just want to keep that in mind when it comes to trust. Yeah. You know, like he isn't going to trust Ron and Hermione because they're going to be keeping things from him. And yep. I think it's important for us to realize he trusts Moody so much. Yeah, you know, I I never really thought of it in those terms. So it's only natural for him. And, and like, and you also think about it too, right? Think about in five, nobody believes him that that Voldemort, Voldemort is, is back. Yes, but he saw it with his own. Like, imagine that. Imagine if every day, Mary, oh, I've lived something like yeah, that. That's but true. Yes. <laughs> but imagine like waking up every day, seeing that the sky is blue, and yeah. every day I told you, no, it's pink. What mm-hmm. are you talking about? Like you would start to think that maybe it is pink, but you see pink is blue. Like you could go crazy if yes. I someone told you that the sky was pink yes. every single day. You would even probably believe it at some mm-hmm. point. But for someone like Harry, who I don't want to say isn't emotionally intelligent. I think he is emotionally intelligent. I just don't think he's that aware enough. Oh, my God. Any of us. I'm yeah, not, right. Any, any, no matter how emotionally intelligent you are, it doesn't mean that you can't have repercussions, that it can't have these lasting effects on you. Yeah. You know, we need to see Harry Potter for the horcrux that he is next book. You know, he's going through some pretty serious... Um, or, or moody. <laughs> seriously moody issues. And I like to point this out. The more he delves into this. And Moody, faux Moody, tells him, you guys should be Aurors. Maybe all three of you should be Aurors. Like, this is what Harry wants. We have to remember, Harry doesn't have parents. He's getting a little mad because Sirius tells him, you need to stay put. <laughs> you can't be doing these things. And he's saying, who's serious? You yeah, know, he's really a jerk. Like but Moody, who was an Auror, actually thinks that I could be doing this too. So we kind of see, yes, we love Sirius. But at this point, you got to start to like see, okay, who would he be leaning into a little bit more? Now, he's not telling Moody about necessarily everything he's seeing and dreaming yeah. the way he is with Sirius. But I'd just like to point that out, that these adult figures in his life start to have um, different characteristics of what Harry leans into them for. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence, Mary, that Moody has this conversation with Harry, and then we are immediately introduced to the the letter from Sirius, which mm-hmm. is more of a parental yes. feel from him, mm-hmm. which is not something that we have gotten yet from Sirius. No. Um, and the reason why I say it's not a coincidence, because Moody is the one that obviously is the, faux Moody is obviously the one that Sirius is trying to figure out, like, Full Moody is the problem. Yes. And Sirius is the one saying, Harry, stop. Mm-hmm. Just, what are you doing? Don't go out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I, and I like that there's this direct contrast immediately between the person who is the problem and then the person who is the parent trying to solve the problem, mm-hmm. even though Sirius has yet to be the parent. 
See what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and then Harry even calls it out, saying, who's he to lecture me about being out of bounds? After all, the stuff he did at school. Like, what do you mean that you get to tell me that I could have been killed and I need to stay with Ron and Hermione I can't leave Gryffindor Tower and I should practice my stunning and disarming? Which, thank God he does, because he uses that a lot going forward. How crazy that he hasn't known how to do that stuff until now. (sighs) Yeah, you're right. Good point. You know? Yeah. Well, he knows knows Expelliarmus, but... The stunning, and I, I just think it's crazy that we've gone up to this far and Harry Potter has still survived. And and, and when you think about what Sirius is saying to Harry, it also kind of applies to what happens in the next book, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Jelly Bean? Um, yeah, well, we can say it. Yeah, this, this is, is a spoiler. spoiler. Yeah. yeah. So when Harry has the dream mm-hmm. about Sirius... Mm-hmm. Everybody and his mother is telling him, don't do Not this. his mother, Blake. Oh, His yeah. mom's dead. <laughs> Touche, Mary. You're welcome. <laughs> you know what I deserve? Shame. Thank you. Everybody's telling him, Harry, don't do this. Don't go just running about. Stay within the bounds. And when he doesn't do it, that's when he gets himself and his fellow classmates in trouble. Truth. So I've, I love that Sirius has this ability to say what he needs to say and make sure that Harry considers it, even keeping in mind that Sirius is just trying to do the best, the right thing, but that advice still applies to even future books. Mm-hmm. And here we go. Hermione Granger hitting the nail on the head. She's saying, um, you know, someone put your name in the goblet of fire. They did that for a reason. You know, Snuffles, a series, is right. They're biding their time. Maybe, you know, it's it's later. And Harry's like, come on. This is crazy. Like, why didn't they take me out in the woods? What What's going on? Why would they wait? And she said, they couldn't have made it look like an accident if they murdered you in the forest. But if you die during a task... Dot, dot, dot. Because remember, I think that this is one of the things that a lot of people ask about themselves. Like, why doesn't Foam Moody just snatch Harry right away? You know, why didn't he do this? And we have to keep in mind that even with Harry Potter's blood, Voldemort is still going to be weakened. He's going to take some time. Like, nobody knows Voldemort's okay except Mm -hmm. Foam Moody and Wormtail. Right. Nobody does. So he doesn't know how this, like, rejuvenation thing's going to go with the (laughs) bone of his father and the blood of the enemy. So they want it to look like an accident. They don't want everyone to know he's back. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, think about it. All of book five, an entire year goes by and nobody really believes Harry Potter. Because it happens in this graveyard because Cedric died. And and if Harry died too, like even better, right? Nobody knows what happened. Maybe yeah. they died. Maybe they killed each other. I don't know. So they try to keep it like this to bide Voldemort time. The whole point is that he has to get Harry to Voldemort secretly so Voldemort can have his blood at that right moment for that potion to start to rebuild himself. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. I, um <sighs> Because if Harry Potter just gets killed in the forest, there's going to be hell to pay. But if Harry Potter dies in the Triwizard Tasks, then it's in the just Triwizard a, Tournament, then it's just the thing. Then it's okay. Kids die all the time in the Triwizard Tournament. Yes, and that's why he and shouldn't like, have joined sucks, it because but, he was 14. Right. Exactly. We told you so. I mean, this is going to spur on a larger conversation, right? Which is okay. You don't want to. You don't want Harry to be discovered as dead. Like in the beginning of the school year. Okay. You don't want him to be discovered as murdered. 
He'll, he, they, they're fine if he's dead, but no, they can't have like well, a man. Well, I guess that's what I meant. I'm sorry. I guess what I'm getting at is, well, what if you just disappear the body? It's Harry freaking Potter. Sound effect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Harry freaking Potter. This is the easy button. Okay. You did something dangerous. Oh, she went skydiving. Well, she died. Well, that's not too far. That's not too hard to believe. I know, but I, I guess like you can disappear a body. Like, oh yeah, but then there'll be a manhunt and there'll be this big thing and then rumors will start. I'm just saying that uh, this was okay. the easy button without you. having right. like investigations. Because right. once the rumors begin, that yeah. that allows for more. Yeah. Yeah. Investigation. They're, they're tying up loose ends. You know what's been interesting is as we go forward and we meet more Death Eaters, I'm going to have us do a, a who is better as a Death Eater. I think Barty Crouch Jr. might be the most intelligent Death Eater. Really? And the best Death Eater, yeah. Because think of it, out of everyone, Voldemort has him right now. Now, granted, he was out <laughs> of Azkaban, so it's different. But this guy's smart. This guy's patient. This guy's an actor. This guy is manipulation extreme to do what he does to Harry. And let's not just say Harry, but... To Dumbledore. To Dumbledore. Oof. Into McGonagall. Yeah. Into all the teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that is preventing me from saying that he is the smartest one is that he runs out of Polyjuice Potion at the exact wrong time. <laughs> but, like, come on, guy. Like, you, you don't... In the movie? In the, the movie, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, that's a movie. So let's keep going here so you so you could see how okay. the end plays out a bit more here right, a little right, bit. Um. I will say with the Dumbledore thing that as we go forward, um, I start to think maybe Dumbledore has questionings because uh, it's a whole like keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer. But in this chapter, of course, Dumbledore is there with Moody and Fudge. Just want to say, by the way, mm-hmm. keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that saying, right? Obviously. I just said it. Yeah. You know where it's from? Probably the Godfather. It's from the Godfather. I really don't Because it always goes back to the Godfather. That's great. <laughs> so we go into uh, stunning spells and they're practicing this. I loved how Ron was like, can't we just kidnap Mrs. Norris? Let's just stun her for a bit. Or you could yeah. use Dobby, Harry. I bet he'd do anything to help you. I'm not complaining or anything, but I'm aching all over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So they go to uh, Professor Chilani. Professor Trelawney, which once again, I'm giving her more credit. I've been shouting her out for getting some things right every once in a while during these books. My dears, said Professor Trelawney, sitting down in her winged armchair in front of the class and peering around them with all of her strangely enlarged eyes. We have almost finished our work on planetary divination. Today, however, will be an excellent opportunity to examine the effects of Mars, for he is placed most interestingly, most at the present time. Mars is always in retrograde. Mars. <laughs> so we talked about Mars in Sorcerer's Stone. Yes, that's right. And the centaurs. Mars is the bringing of conflict and Mars of war. Mars is bright tonight. Mars is bright tonight, man. And here, Trelawney is noticing that we're going to start to have some effects of Mars. There's going to be some tension. There's going to be some things coming on up. So I just kind of liked that. I, I really, And maybe it's not her. Maybe it was just the astrology of the time. But I wanted to give her a heads up that well done, lady. And we go into 
this dream. Uh, while that is happening, the heavily perfumed fumes wash over him. He could also hear an insect humming gently somewhere behind the curtains. Mm. Just sneaking a little bug inside of Rita Skeeter. Just, uh, you know, again, the author has has weaved this little bug thing in here every once in a while. And when you're reading it, you don't, you know, you don't even pay attention to it. But now that you're doing the rereading, you know exactly what it is. Yeah. It's great to find because there was that moment at, right after the second task where the bug is is flying around. Mm-hmm. And, and here we are again with the bug flying around. Mm-hmm. All really cool stuff. I agree. So Harry's in this dream, which I read as we begin this podcast yes. episode. Um, what I love is he's riding the back of an eagle owl. owl. And eagle owls are only mentioned in this story, the series, mm-hmm. um, a couple of times. So eagle owls are super rare owls. For those of you who don't know, in the Harry Potter, in the Potterverse, okay, it's a super rare owl. Like, not everybody does. We know one family that has an eagle owl. Do you know who? No. The Malfoys. Oh, okay. The Malfoys own an eagle owl, and we know this because Harry sees Draco get some packages with his eagle owl. Mm -hmm. So what's neat is the author does this thing with this owl, and it's never really – it's never implied necessarily – like I think this is supposed to be a red herring. Because the only eagle owl we've known is the Malfoys. Okay. But the Malfoys don't know the Dark Lord is back. Not yet. So – they're either using their eagle owl uh, flying around or this, I think, is actually Barty Crouch Jr.'s owl. I think this is the Crouch's owl. And I think, because Harry saw it a while ago. He saw it when when Hagrid was digging up the ground with the Nifflers. He saw an eagle owl swoop in. Mm-hmm. So when he saw the eagle owl swoop in the other day, that was... Um, Wormtail saying, um, I'm really sorry, but your dad just escaped. Can you please go get him mm-hmm. and find him? And then another eagle owl that Harry watches in his dream flies back to Voldemort and says, don't worry, master. I just killed him. And this is what happens. It's the same owl that arrived with the note. Saying we lost your dad, and this is now the owl communicating to Voldemort, saying, I know that Wormtail lost my dad, which is why Voldemort is mad at him. You right. messed up. Yes. You messed up, and if if Crouch just messed this whole thing up, I was going to let Nagini eat you. But Fomoody just took care of it. Interesting. I like it, Mary. Look at you. So I think it's, I don't think it's the Malfoy's eagle owl. I think that um, probably eagle owls are very expensive. And like if you're a rich family, maybe you buy an eagle owl because I assume that Barty Crouch had a lot of money yeah, that for would, his that, I think that would be position. fair too. So I don't necessarily know if it has to mean that you're like a bad Slytherin person. I just think that it's like a high ranking thing. Like, oh, I've got a Maserati. Of course you do. <laughs> it's like the Maserati of owls. <laughs> the Maserati of owls. <laughs> but I think this is meant to give us um, more red herrings that the Malfoys oh, are more involved. That is so funny. I'm going to write that down. A Maserati of <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, that was good. So he sees it as it really happens, but I just think that it's very interesting that this happens to him in divination class, and it's not through the eyes of Voldemort nor through the eyes of Nagini. Now, I don't know yeah. if it's because the author like changes how she wants him to think about it yeah. or if really this is more of a premonition. 
rather than him having that psychic horcrux thing going on sure. just because it is so different yeah Hmm. Interesting. Very. So interesting. that's that's what the eagle owl was doing. I like this, Mary. You're this welcome. is see. This is when Mary gets excited. You can I can see when she gets excited about things. That's when she she dives deep. And this deep. is why we need this podcast because there's nobody else to talk with me about this. Because <laughs> like I'll talk to her about some stuff on other podcasts, and she'd be like, "Yeah, I don't care." Yeah. It. it you're like, but this is big. Yeah, I don't care. Doesn't matter. Oh, there's a different showrunner in season four of The Last Kingdom. I don't care. <laughs> but when it comes to but the type of that like, eagle owl, the oh, expensive she's rare owl, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> it's not the Malfoys. It's not the Malfoys. And then he wakes up, and oh. Professor Trelawney wants to know the dish. Oh, yeah. okay. He's in pain, but she's like, doesn't matter. You were just clutching your scar. You were rolling on the floor, clutching your scar. Come on, Potter. I have experience in these matters. Was it a premonition? An apparition? What did you see? What did you see? (laughs) My dear, you are undoubtedly stimulated by the extraordinary clairvoyant vibrations of my room. If you leave now, you may lose the opportunity to see further than you ever have. I don't want to see anything except a headache cure. I think that there's some uh, some truth to that matter. Because uh, once again, if you want to see this one differently, because he's not through the eyes of Voldemort or Nagini, which once again could just be the author's fault, that maybe the clairvoyancy in that room did allow him no, you to know have what that premonition. She ain't burning incense in that room. She's burning peyote. So it doesn't, no, but I'm just, whatever, <laughs> whatever, like whatever it is allowed him literally just to see into communication from Faux Moody. Yeah, I wonder if this was, I mean, big macro, right? Macroscope here. I wonder if this was the author's first attempt to get Harry into that world in that in that space, that dream space. And she didn't yet know how best Yeah, that's to what do I'm it. saying is like, I don't know if it was an author snafu. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. she could just evolve it and be like, oh, yeah, well, that's how he did it in the beginning. And this is how he doesn't know. Yeah, right. But I'm just saying if we wanted to look at it in a different way. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Then right. maybe Trelawney's onto something. Because it happens in her room, which I don't think. And this <laughs> Isn't that interesting? That's what I'm saying is that it's happening there. With her clairvoyancy in the room and the sense and stuff, like, I'm glad that Harry makes a choice not to become a medium or a psychic because he probably would deal with a lot of more traumatic stuff. But boyfriend's got it, in my opinion. And I'm going was, by the book. And there was some more stuff, too. Didn't something yes. else happen in her room? And he, like, he literally writes. He writes when they're writing their futures. He writes everything. Yeah. He writes like, oh, and on this day, I'm going to have this and I'm going to lose something super treasured to me, a.k.a. Ron in the lake. Like he mm-hmm. picks all these different things in Trelawney's room. And didn't something happen in book three, too? I probably, yes, I think so. Because I think I called it out then. Yes. And Trelawney was, has been right frequently. So, yeah, it's it's easy. You. It's easy to dismiss Trelawney as 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 Hermione would. I think it's easier for us to dismiss her because of how she's portrayed in the movies. I think if you just read the books, because mind you, this book came out when the movie came out. So from then on, we were like, oh, she's totally wrong all the time, you know? <laughs> well, this book came out, yeah. Yeah, uh, this book, book one, came out. Movie one came out. Movie one came out when this book came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 
This book was 2000. 2000. Yeah, yeah, so then the movie came out 01. So that's yeah. what I'm saying is that, you know, you're reading this from here on forward with goofy tree Lonnie stuck in your head. But there is, and yes, there's a whole idea like, why did Dumbledore keep her around? But I think there's some credibility to her and to that room. And I think Harry made a really good choice not to go towards divination because he seems to have the gift and it might not like it. You have the gift. Give me the cup. Give me the cup. Give me the cup. Give me the cup. (laughs) 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 My boy. (laughs) I hear a band playing. (laughs) No. She says my boy. Like she says it too. There's a lot of my boys. That's (laughs) I know. You can't. You can't. You can't unhear it. I don't want to laugh at at Cedric's unfortunate fate, but you can't help but laugh. Especially when you watch the Batman. (gasps) Oh, man. You're welcome. I know. Okay, so uh, then he's like, this was serious. Rather than going to see Madame Pomfrey, because you know Mary Larson's there, still getting those drops in her ear, and she's going to take forever. (laughs) And how about, what do you have for fatigue? Do you have fatigue medicine? Do you have, like, I don't know, my feet are cold. Do you have an electronic blanket? (laughs) Do you (laughs) Do you have a circulator, a blood circulator improver? How about like those suction facial cups to help me with my sinus congestion? <laughs> they would kick me out. They'd be like, Mary, Mary, you're stop done. Stop coming here every day. Just because you lived five minutes from a drive through CVS does not mean you get to treat Madame Pomfrey the same way. Okay, so uh, Harry's like piecing things together. He's he's trying to r- go over the details in his mind. He heard Voldemort accusing Wormtail of making a blunder. The owl had good news. The blunder was repaired. Somebody was dead. So Wormtail was not going to be fed to the snake. Harry was going to be fed instead. So he runs up to the gargoyle. Mm-hmm. Can't get the... Can't, All the different candies. Oh, so many different candies. And Junior I, mints, raisinets, <laughs> M&Ms. Butterfinger! <laughs> and then the one that does it. Oh, uh, freaking... Mounds. Gr- mounds. <laughs> What's what's that like gross caramelly thing with like little nuts chopped in? Is it Mary Jane? I don't even know. That sounds that sounds horrible. Like the old school thing. But it's nowhere. <gasps> Canadian mints. Can, oh, I love Canada mints. Oh, me too. Canada mints are the best. I love them too. What's something that people don't like? I like dinner mints. I like Canadian mints. I love mint. I love junior mint. I'll do it all. No, mounds. Mounds Cockroach are the worst. Cockroach clusters. Mount, it's yeah, you're right, Mary. That That's, is the mounds of candy. But I like coconut. So to you it would be your mounds. I don't know oh. what it would be for me. I don't think I found a candy I won't eat. Freaking mounds. Do you like you like Neko, right? I love him. Yeah. It's just like big flats um skid um what are those little candies that you pretend are medicine? And they're like little little plastic wrapper and you go like this and they're like like pink. They're all pastel colors. Oh, oh, Smarties. Uh, Smarties, yeah. Yeah, they're like little flattened Smarties. No, but Smarties are way sweeter. Necco is a... St- yeah, they got a little bit more like that Canadian mint to them. Like if you No, took- it's not even that. Like the pink ones do. What is in this stuff? It's so bad for us. Oh, no not matter as what, bad as it's a bad. Co- cockroach cluster though. <laughs> and that's what happens. He walks inside and of course it's the Minister of Magic and uh, Moody and Dumbledore. And I love how long Faux Moody lets Harry listen. Because he knows right away. He's got that little magic eye and he tells oh, yeah. Dumbledore like, we should probably wrap this up because Harry Potter's outside. They go through so much. Minister of Magic saying, I don't understand. Ludo says birth is totally cool and like shouldn't be dead. And why is that to have anything to do with Barty Crouch's disappearance? So that means that as of yesterday when this all happened and Harry told Dumbledore, Dumbledore has contacted the Minister of Magic who has come to Hogwarts. Yeah. Which you can't disapparate and apparate from. So this is like, this is a journey. Dumbledore okay? can though. It's because he's and Dumbledore. 
needs to talk with him. He's taking it this seriously. Not moodily. Not moodily. Seriously. seriously. <laughs> Within 24 hours, essentially the president of the country yeah, is, there at is at this school. And he's like, you made me leave on Sunday night when I could be watching Outlander? <laughs> it's pasta Sunday with Outlander. Sundays are for the phrases. Seriously. By the way, get that shit. Not moodily. By the way, get that shirt at the Marion Blake store. MarionBlakeStore.com. Sundays are for the Frasers. So he says, I see two possibilities. Either Crouch is finally cracked, more than likely, because he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, or else. Why do you think Moody let Harry hear all this? Hear all this? To put him into thinking someone else did it. Because he just says, okay, so he says either he lost his mind and Dumbledore says, come on, that's that's not it. He can't run away that fast. He's mm-hmm. not a track star. And he says, or else, well, I reserve judgment. So this is where fudge becomes a bit racist. I reserve judgments until I've seen the place where he was found. But you say it was just past the Bobaton's carriage? Dumbledore, you know what that woman is? Oh, she's different. So it must be her. Dumbledore, come. Don't you think you might be prejudiced in her favor because of Hagrid? They don't all turn out harmless, if indeed you can call Hagrid harmless with that monster fixation he's got. So Moody lets this conversation happen because he knows that Fudge is going to throw Harry into more fear of other people. So Harry can have constant vigilance on someone that's not him. Constant vigilance. And and, and you, you know what, Mary? I think it's smart that you mentioned that because why? Moody is the one who says, again, constant vigilance. I know. That's in why this, I, said it. I know. In this chapter, Twice. like, it's really, that's, that's really nice. Really nice. And, Thank you. and that, because you could say, well, you know, by Moody allowing Harry to hear this conversation, that kind of puts him back on the trail of like, what happened to Body Crouch Senior? It just happened but last on, night. But on the, <laughs> I know, but but we had just got done saying, but full Moody was smart because he's saying Harry start the work, like get to work. Don't worry about body crouch, crouch senior. And that's why I was like having a little bit of a hard time understanding what you were saying until you just said the constant vigilance thing, because the constant vigilance is you need to place your trust in me. Mm-hmm. Place your trust in me. Mm-hmm. Listen to what I'm telling you to do. Just focus on this. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. So. That's some serious mind games going on there. Which is why I love that Moody is in this room and in this conversation Mm -hmm. because we're going to have to keep looking at it. Has Dumbledore already started to think that there's something up with Moody? So as we go forward, we need to look very carefully at every single thing with Dumbledore, that whole like keep your enemies closer. Is he starting at all to think that Moody could have something fishy? Because as we see in the next chapter, he's starting to put some pieces together about Barty Crouch Jr. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to be getting into some pensive stuff. We're going to be doing that. But I want, to from here on out because I think it's very interesting that Moody is in this room now granted Moody was the other person who went so these are like the two witnesses I'd want to say so that's the other reason why that might make sense I think it's obviously yes we should absolutely be keeping that in mind as we discuss the next chapters but to answer your question so far I would say my sense as of this moment is no agreed no agreed Uh, and this is why Barty Crouch Jr. may be the best Death Eater because if he was the only person to uh, trick Dumbledore on this big of a level, mic drop. Mm. 
Nobody has been able to beat the Albus Dumbledore. He's the greatest wizard of our time, unless you're Braddy Crouch Jr. Mm. Smart. I know. Very smart. It's like I really, you know, know these books well. <laughs> All right, well welcome to the inner conversations in my head when I drive, friends. So glad that we started a, a podcast dork. about this. Such a I am. Dork. I but know. That's I love okay. it. I know. I love you're it. That's all why. Here, because you like Potter you. too. All right, you ready for the different perspective? Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Here we go. <gasps> Holy cricket! You're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger, and you are. Professor Trelawney. I knew you were going to be here, Trelawney. Oh, this is not as fun if you knew it was going to be me. I knew it was going to be... I had a premonition. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> Maybe it's the room that we're in today. I don't know. <sighs> I had to go to the the faculty room after class today okay, to yep. ask the other professors if Harry Potter is hit or miss as well. You know, sometimes... What, what do you mean students, by hit or miss? You know, sometimes you just... Doesn't do that well in my class. Uh-huh. He seems a little distracted, and um, but other times, oh, they're very into. Other it. times he's he's so clairvoyant, and and he's just not willing to take the plunge, <laughs> the plunge. And I think it's for his fear. You know, I heard a rumor, uh, uh, Trelawney, that all the kids had taken the plunge in your room because you're not just burning incense in there. This is a family-friendly show, but, you know, I do get my my special mix of herbs from Mary Larson's new therapist. Oh, yes. The witch. <laughs> a fellow witch. She is. <laughs> so much sage in Mary Larson's house. No, there isn't yet. Soon, soon. soon. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen after I buy my chicks. Uh, so... <laughs> It's chick season. So just know that, in my opinion, yeah. Mars is going to be bright some night soon. You better yeah. hold on tight. Well, I, I, Keep your eye on Harry Potter. Hold on tight, spider monkey. Yeah. <laughs> hold on tight to that Cedric Diggory. <laughs> the end. Not my oh, best, good. but... You know what? No. Well worth it, though. Thank you. Well worth it. I appreciate that. Thank All right. You. you ready for some uh, listener feedback? I love listener feedback. Me too. Let's get it done. Oh, Miles here. All right. This one comes from Dania. She says, mm. I want to comment on the discussion you were having about why a Slytherin member didn't place their name in the Triwizard Cup. Overall, I believe most Slytherin are not as brave or as badass as they think they are because they love to stir the pot. Triwizard Tournament is an individual sport. Contestants have to count on their own wits, intelligence, endurance, fast thinking, speed, and strategy. I believe that the Slytherins to be a little on the coward and bully side and only feel brave when they're in numbers. Mm. There, there are exceptions like Snape and Slughorn eventually when they stand out and show us a different side, but they had to be pushed to this conclusion and became aware that they had to stand on their own sometimes. And I say this, Blake... Of course, being a Slytherin myself. Okay, so here are some admirable Slytherin traits. Okay. Goal-oriented. Okay. Ambitious. Mm -hmm. Self-confident. Cunning. Natural leaders. Mm -hmm. Very shrewd. Loyal. Self-reliant. Pragmatic. Strategic. The worst Slytherin traits are rule breakers. Mm -hmm. Judgmental. Haughty. Vindictive. Prejudiced. Elitist. And arrogant and selfish. So, with those qualities, those are all like, me. You're like, yeah, that's all me. Yeah. <laughs> For those, 
those of you who want a little insight to our marriage, <laughs> just recently, when Blake and I were having a, 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 a serious, moody talk about something, and he's like, well, no, I see it this way. And I said, and I see it this way, because you're on planet Slytherin, and I'm not. <laughs> and I saw this light bulb go off, and Blake said, like, oh, Mary doesn't think that way (laughs) (laughs) so do you think blake do you agree with dania about um the description of why a slytherin would not have put their name into the cup oh definitely yeah um (sighs) i think slytherins of age who see that this is i don't think there were any slytherins in this time that would have stood out we hadn't really heard of any grand slytherin the only one that you that you can think of is malfoy and that's it he's too young and he's too young but you're, you're right Marcus there is flint yeah weird teeth kid that's get out of here movies. i know um yeah there's no real standout slytherin in school at this time that we know of yes there's no if you were a 17 year old slytherin okay so picture yourself at Hogwarts. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Hogwarts, Hogwarts, Huggy, Huggy, Hogwarts. Anyway, so there you are, but like, okay, it's like yep. almost your senior year, or whatever. You're like really happy. And the Triwizard Tournament, which hasn't been around for a century, is back. You can bring honor to us all. <laughs> Do you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? I think you would. <sighs> That's a good question. 17 years old. That's a good question. Um, it, it, my a gut reaction is no. My gut reaction is no because what do I get out of it? You get money and fame and glory. You're literally the Triwizard Tournament champion from like all of these countries. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And I'd be arrogant enough to think that I could do it. But would you actually do it? Would I do it? No, I don't think I would. Hmm. I would probably refrain. What would you tell people? So, like, let's say I was your girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Hey, so did you put your name in? I'd be like, nah. And why would? What would your excuse be to your peers? I, I just, I, I think I would just say no. I don't want to do it. I just. It, no. You know why I think you would say what? I don't want to waste my time. I got other things to do. Yeah, I got, I got more important things to worry. That's what about. I think you would say. Yeah, you're probably right. Even though it's actually your self-limiting beliefs that would hold you back from doing you're it. You're probably right. It's like I married you or something. <laughs> All right, this one comes from Lacey. She says, one, if you're going to do a task in the Triwizard Tournament, which task, Mary, would you want to do? The one where you don't die at the end. <laughs> Take the That's maze off. Boy! I wouldn't do well in a maze. I get too nervous about mazes. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. No. I would not. You wouldn't. You I would wouldn't not. handle that pressure well. I think you would probably do best in the second task. I agree. Yeah. The swimming one. Because that's like a swimming thing. And that's like a. I'm really good with my directions. You start here. You got the you got the good directions. I'm a good swimmer. And it's a thing that you do. And like, I have to save a person. It's not like I have to get a golden egg. Like there is, in my mind, life or death for my best friend on the line. Yeah. That's like made for a Gryffindor. Yeah, that's true. I give you that one. All right. Number two. If you were to change one of the Hogwarts teachers, who would you put inside of the teacher? It has to be a defense against the dark art teacher. I don't really know what that means, Blake. So you answer it. 
If you were to change one of the Hogwarts teachers, who would you put inside of the teacher? I don't know what that means. Like wear their skin. I'm not sure if I understand the question either. Okay. Like, is it. Or if you're just switching, if you're going to switch somebody's roles, who would you switch to defense against the dark arts? Let's make it that question. I'm just pretending. Hopefully I'm right, Lacey. All right, so who would I switch from one position at Hogwarts to another? Yeah, like let's say they ran out of another defense against the art, dark arts teacher and somebody okay. needs to sub. Gotcha. Who are you going to pull? Who's Dumbledore going to go down to the staff room and say, hey, you. Go take care of. Uh... Go take care of defense against the dark arts. Oh, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good really? question. You wouldn't yeah. just put Snape in there? Because that's who's the usual sub. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, yeah, yeah, it'd probably be Snape. Yeah, but he eventually does become. I, see, I didn't consider him because oh, he, he okay. is one of the defense okay. against dark arts teachers. Right. Um, who would you think would do the best job, and who do you think would do the worst? Ready, go. Right comes to the top of your mind. Who would be the best? Flitwick. Okay, awesome. Who's the worst? Come on, come on. Trelawney. Come on. Oh, okay. My best, McGonagall, because you know that oh, she was like yeah. in on that stuff. Yeah. Worst, Hagrid. <laughs> Good point. Good point. I feel like Flitwick is a dark horse in here. Everybody, everybody, everyone's sleeping on Flitwick. Really? Everyone's sleeping on him. He's He's got his... his... See, I think the dark horse would be Sprout. I bet she knows Maybe. some like dark she got some like stuff. weird, weird like herbology yeah, stuff. Like when you ferment the wormwood, oh, dude, kill everybody! I mean, <laughs> literally in her class, they chop up baby mandrakes. If that's not dark, I don't know what is. <laughs> All right, that's the end of our there. episode today. <laughs> uh, that's that. You got anything else you want to say? Can't about unsee this? it. Can't unsee it now. Chopping up little baby mandrakes. Makes me think uh the Christmas that Christmas movie Which where she took her t- takes his turn up the kid that the kid called Christmas what the kid called Christmas the Netflix Christmas movie oh oh and then yeah, his yeah. favorite doll is the turn up and then his aunt yeah. makes him turn up soup and he just sees the face in his soup <laughs> that was my only friend and if you haven't seen it yet I'm sorry uh, I didn't ruin the whole plot just no. like the saddest part yeah pretty much killing turnips. It wasn't, it was already dead. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Okay. It's like Wilson. When Wilson flies, Wilson goes away. Yes. All right. Let's close this bad boy out. Thank you all so incredibly much for tuning into this, the uh, 29th chapter episode of the Potterverse. Not the episode, but the 29th chapter. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Sure. Okay, because this is actually the 29th episode of the Goblet of Fire version of, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm saying, guys, but I'm going on medicine. So have <laughs> so faith. So much COVID happening have right now. faith, okay? <laughs> Listen, um, in addition to our podcasting, we also want to remind you that the other thing that I Wait, do- Wait, they are listening though. Oh, some people don't <laughs> listen to the end. I don't. Oh my gosh. Once I get to the end, I'm like, I know what you're going to say. It's the same thing every freaking time. But no, you time. see, the beauty of Mary and Blake Media is that it's not. You never know. You never know. St- stuff like this happens. I just want to tell people, Minute with Mary. If you're on Facebook, search the hashtag Minute with Mary. I want you to join my VIP group. Got some fun stuff going on in there if you're okay. looking for new makeup. You know what? Here's a, here's what? a test. What? If you heard this, the listener, if you heard this, yeah. send us um, a lipstick emoji. On Instagram or Facebook. Yes. Just message us with a lipstick emoji and we'll know you actually listen to the end. Yeah, and you'll hear this conversation. Why does it say Mastery of Owls? It, it's, it doesn't say Mastery. It says Maserati of Owls. Oh. <laughs> Mischief managed. <laughs> oh.
Why is it an S and not a Z? Is it Maserati? No, it's S. Maserati? That's no. how you say it? Yeah. Maserati? It's Italian. Maserati. Maserati. Yeah. Mozzarella. Z. <laughs> Did that stay? Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.